Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. Welcome to our show, Polygamy, What Live is, Love Is This? Looks like we were off timing a little <laughs> bit there, sorry. I'm your host, Doris Hansen. We're grateful that you are uh, joining us for our show. Of course, the purpose of our show is to challenge Mormon polygamists to check out their doctrine and to go way past to the beginning of Christianity, to Jesus Christ, and to discover where he ever said that polygamy was God's will for you. Now, Jesus is the Savior, and he saves us all by himself. And if the Savior didn't tell us that polygamy could save us, then we don't have to determine that polygamy can save us because it's Jesus who does it, and he did it on the cross. And if anyone you know, or if you yourself are in polygamy and would like to get out, you can contact us and we will help you get out. Or someone that you know, you can call us and we can talk to you about how to do that. We provide a safe exit and a safe place to go and everything we do is strictly confidential. We have a toll-free number uh, for you to call if you have questions about this or want to get out. The number is 877-425-9993. And if you want to make comments about our show or have any questions about any of our topics, you can email us at email at whatloveisthis.tv or for telephone calls regarding the show, you can call us at 385-240-2888 and the toll-free number is for escaping polygamists and the 385 number is for those who wants to comment about the show. And again, we do have our co-host with us to finish what we started last time. so interesting. I couldn't <laughs> Wait to come back and do another one here. It really is fascinating. <laughs> it's a fascinating subject, yep. and uh, I, it, it was kind of a difficult subject to do because there was so much to talk about, and yeah. we just kind of had to peel through <laughs> it all to get through it so that we could cover all the information. Our last show, we introduced the book and a book review of uh, written by Marion Stryker, The Pattern of the Double Bind in Mormonism. We discussed an allegory of what the double bind is and how it works, and it will help you immensely to go back and watch the first part first yeah, before you watch this show in order so you can get the context of what we're talking about but in the allegory a woman is seeking God and is seeking his way to heaven Mormonism promises that through them she can attain that goal so she places her trust in the church now please keep in mind when we say Mormonism it includes polygamy the polygamy church or the LDS church mm. because it all foundation. has a foundation of yeah. Mormonism yeah. but anyway the woman soon discovers that she is required to please them, this religious authority, because they tell her she needs them to find God. Actually, finding them, in, in essence, is as important to finding God, the way it turns out. Yeah. She, learns out what, she learns that what is important is the purpose of the group and her obligation to obey them in order to be worthy of them, rather than the simple and original need to seek and find God. Now, Mormonism is a one-mind-for-everybody religion. 
When the prophet speaks, the thinking's been done. They're mine for yours. And if you doubt, then be sure and doubt your doubts, or you might lose your only chance. But God says the only way we can find him is through Jesus Christ. He never said anything about Mormonism or about polygamy mediating our relationship with him. It's all about Jesus. It's not about them. And we read in Acts 4.12, it says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It doesn't say salvation is found in Mormonism or in polygamy, but they claim that salvation is found in their name, doing their works, making uh, ourselves worthy for their judgment. If you complain or question, you'll be accused of being faithless or selfish or sinful. Uh, complete submission to their authority is essential, and the member is bound to their mind think or to their group think. This is the very reason that God wrote in his Bible instructions like this. From Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, biblical Christianity is the epitome of freedom in and by Jesus Christ. Yep, and in verse 4 of Galatians 5, you who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You've fallen away from grace. So obviously keeping religious law and ordinances will alienate us from Jesus. It won't help us get to heaven. It doesn't save us, does that's it? That's right. Second Corinthians 11.3, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Nothing here about Mormonism or joining a no. religion or a polygamy group. The very nature of Mormonism does not allow us to follow the simplicity of a personal relationship with Jesus. Instead, our relationship must be with them who will then mediate our relationship with God. In the double bind, uh, the member is bound to the church. Now, all humans have a need for a social, a personal, sympathetic, and caring relationships in their lives. We want to be understood. We want to love and be loved. These are well-known human needs in the open system of reality. If one or several of these needs are unfulfilled, a void is created. So we look for those who can fill that void. Unfortunately, Mormonism claims to fill it, but doesn't give all the facts up Front. I think you talked about that last time. <laughs> a little bit. They have a yes but or a yes if way of dealing with our needs. And essentially, it is the double bind. They promise that we'll gain God's favor and earn righteousness and eternal life, but they don't fully explain the downside of those promises. And when those promises fail, it's because we have a lack of faith, we aren't sincere, or they prejudge us as being neck deep in some kind of sin. <laughs> yeah. One promise Mormonism holds out is free agency, our freedom to choose. But the choice has already been made for us, so we choose without choosing. Page 34 and 35, we quote. Yeah, a couple of examples here. I joined the LDS Church at the age of 14 through the urging of a high school friend. I was not very popular in school, but among the LDS youth, I found an instant kinship. 
And another one says, I joined the church at age eight with my family. So what choice does a 14-year-old or an eight-year-old eight year have? They, they chose without choosing. They, they right. tell them. They grow up in a religion, and they didn't choose it. Now, if a person is born and raised in polygamy, for instance, they're told from the cradle that in the pre-existence, they chose to be born and raised in polygamy, that this is God's special place for them. I was told that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so they believe they chose something they really didn't choose. They're brainwashed to think if they leave the group, then they have made the choice to become a son of perdition. Mm. That's not a true choice, and it's not true. But unless the member investigates, they'll never know it's not true. Mormonism has a formula that fits all problems, the milk agreement. They begin feeding the young or the new member with what they call milk. We quote from page 39. A member is never allowed to be weaned from milk. What they call the meat of its doctrine is hidden. The individual's human identity will eventually be absorbed piecemeal within the vast body of Mormonism. So their religion becomes their identity, and eventually they're just assimilated into the group. Yeah, and, it's, and what they're taught is very superficial, very milk compared mm -hmm, yeah. to meat. Yeah. And, and once the religion is their identity, then the hidden... Uh, terms begin to be seen more clearly. We yeah. read from page 40. There are hidden strings of expectation and hope instead of concrete assurance. The roles are beginning to be reversed. The member is granted the rights of an agreement, but is becoming a supplicant who must say please, to which the binder says yes, if you do more work, to become worthy to receive. And that's one of the yes-ifs yeah. of Mormonism. It's an example of a double bind. The, the, the promises that Mormonism makes have been changed to yes-if. Yes, we can do this for you if you do this to make yourself worthy for what we're going to do for you. In, in order to become worthy, eventually the member must agree that all she is and all she owns and all she has, even herself, belongs to the group. And sometimes oaths are even required to give everything to them. And then the church promises to give back to the member, this is especially true in polygamy, oh, to sure. give back to the member as a gift that which was already hers if she's worthy to get it back. That's the double, <laughs> the double bind. bind. Part of the double bind is that Mormonism is a yes-but system. For instance, the yes promise in Moroni in the Book of Mormon is a burning in the bosom to validate its truth. <laughs> but if the member never gets a burning in the bosom, what's wrong? We quote from page 41. Guess who's wrong. I had never received a burning of the bosom of anything despite much prayer and study. Since I could never seem to achieve Moroni's promise of the burning in my bosom, I thought something was wrong with me and that God didn't love me anymore. I secretly thought that perhaps I had done something so horrible God had already relegated me to outer darkness. She was told that serving as Relief Society president would help my testimony grow stronger. So here they are just, you know, it's always up to them. They've got to yeah. do more. They have to do more. And, and it's the reversal of responsibility. Instead of, of them working to help her, she has to work harder for them uh, to prove that she's worthy for them to help her. Right. <laughs> Biblically, of course, this is demonic. Over and over we read in the Bible that Jesus has already done everything for us. It's never a yes, but, or a yes, if with Jesus. It is this. 
it's already all been done for you by Jesus Christ. It is finished. No works, none required, none accepted. Christ's worthiness is credited to every true believer. From Titus we read, He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. Clearly, we yeah. are not saved because of righteous things we've done. And denying that is denying Jesus. That's right. It's denying what He did for us on the cross. Yeah. Because if, if Galatians tells us if righteousness could be gained by the law, Jesus died yeah. for nothing. He died yeah. in vain. Yeah. And so we cannot deny what he did in trying to work to please a religion or work for our salvation is denying what Jesus did for us on the cross. We have another testimony of an escapee from the devil bind on page 42. They told me that since I had already... They had already taught me the gospel. I would never have another chance to hear it and therefore would not get to heaven. I was afraid not to join. I felt trapped. Now I call it manipulation. Now manipulation into a choice isn't a choice. No. It's not free agency. No. So, so we see how the yes but works. The promise is there, but it doesn't work unless you do a particular thing to make it work. <laughs> Probably one of the greatest examples comes from section 132 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 52, 56. Let my handmaid Emma Smith receive all those that have been given unto my servant Joseph, who are virtuous and pure before me. For I, the Lord, for I am the Lord thy God, and ye shall obey my voice. And I command my handmaid Emma Smith to abide and cleave unto my servant Joseph unto none else. But if she will not abide this commandment, she shall be destroyed, saith the Lord. For I am the Lord thy God, and will destroy her if she abide not in my law, which is polygamy. Let my handmaid forgive my servant Joseph his trespasses, and then she shall be forgiven her trespasses, wherein she has trespassed against me. And I, the Lord thy God, will bless her, and multiply her, and make her heart to rejoice. So there's a yes but, isn't Poor there? Poor Emma. <laughs> yeah, poor Emma. She she was damned if she did and damned if she didn't. Yeah. She'd have to see her husband with other women yeah. um, or be destroyed. And and if she wanted her sins forgiven, she had to forgive Joseph his little his, indiscretions. Yeah, and then we have another double bind mixed up in this is where God says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That's true. And then he turns around and says, Thou shalt commit polygamy. And marry women that are already married. Marrying women who are already married so that they are committing adultery with their husband That's and right. he's committing adultery with Emma. It's just a convoluted mess and it's a big double bind. Here's a double bind for someone trying to leave Mormonism. Now this is also true, in fact maybe even worse, with polygamy groups. I know. It is extremely difficult to leave the Mormon church. They will encourage you to ignore your doubts and to push them to the back of your mind in order to keep your testimony. It saddens me to see LDS people walking through life with their eyes tightly closed so they won't lose their faith. Members deny reality. They reflect the binder's denial. They are to have one mind only, the mind of the binder. And the binder is the religion, the authority of the religion. They don't dare think outside of the box, sometimes no, we say. Don't. 
And here's another yes but from page 50. There's a promise here and, uh, and that if he prayed, his doubts about the church would disappear. So we quote, Towards the beginning of this search, I had a temple recommend interview with a member of my ward bishopric. I frankly discussed my feelings regarding the church. I explained that I had prayed and fasted regarding these issues. Now, there's a but applied to this when he goes to his bishop. But I still felt that God was telling me that certain doctrines were incorrect. He simply told me that I needed to pray about it more. So I guess my question is, why should a member, why should a Mormon even bother to pray? They already have all the answers in the handy-dandy lesson books. And if you choose to pray about an issue and find that your answer is not in line with what the church teaches, you can rest assured that it is you who is wrong and that your answer was from Satan and not from God. So again I ask, why bother to pray about anything? Remember, when the brethren speak, the thinking has been done. The thinking's been done. We talked about that with his last, uh, with Duke Dork's last uh, yeah. statement at the conference that Basically. the thinking's been done. Yeah. Uh, so don't think we outside our answers. box. Yeah. But remember, they don't have all the answers. No. One particular woman asked questions of her bishop about her doubts and the inconsistencies of Mormonism. Uh, her bishop couldn't and didn't answer her questions, yet in the same breath, he gave his testimony that he knew the church was true without a shadow of a doubt. This is a yes, but. Yes, ask your questions, but no, I don't have answers, but I know the church is true. That's impossible. How can, how can he know something's true if he doesn't have any of the answers needed to see if it's true? Well, we <laughs> ran into the same experience when we presented our little findings initially to our stake president and bishop and uh, first counselor in the stake presidency, and all they did was they couldn't answer the questions that we had. I was, it was really disappointing. I had actually gone to them thinking that we could get some answers mm -hmm. and they could mm -hmm. take care of the concerns I had. I don't honestly think they had answers and no, I don't I, think I they don't even either. wanted to be approached with, with the problems. And in the polygamy groups, of course, it would be the same kind of a scenario, except I think a lot of times they make up the answers. Really? They'll just pull the answers out or they have them already preconceived what the answers would be to these general questions, yeah. but they're not based on any truth wow. at all. There's no facts. Polygamy groups do the same thing and, they, and they'll say things like, just keep on keeping on. Someday, somehow, your questions might be answered. In the meantime, follow your leaders because right. they won't lead you astray. They're the mouthpiece of God. Polygamy and Mormonism apply so many yes buts to attaining eternal life that if members actually could understand it logically and systematically, they would realize eternal life is impossible in their religion, in you're their religious system. You're absolutely right. We don't see it that way, but you're absolutely right. And that, of course, is what we want to communicate to our polygamous viewers. As we said earlier, Mormonism is a closed system. It's one-sided. Reason or logic or proof is the enemy of the Mormon faith. Blind faith is praised, asking for proof is ridiculed. Yet biblically, we are commanded to prove everything we're taught. Yeah, in Acts 17 and 1 Thessalonians, they say, They received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true and to test everything, hold on to the good. That's God's command. Yeah. It, it, despite what Uchtdorf or anybody else says, God says, the opposite. And God's invitation to all of us is not blind faith, but reasonable faith. 
Yeah, from Isaiah chapter 1, it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. So God wants us to reason things out, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. With him. He wants us to use the brain he gave us and his word as our guide to reason these things out. I would challenge anybody to read Paul mm -hmm. and what Jesus said, but also what Paul wrote and mm -hmm. see if it, if, what gospel that he's talking about. Absolutely, and with the prayer that God will show clearly what he's teaching. On page 57 uh, of this book, the author notes that the double bind benefits the binder, which is the church, and is against the bound, which is the member. An example, she tells the story of a seven-year-old girl who was molested by the local bishop counselor. Because of a difficult problem, her mother needed help with food. Now, the bishop agreed to help if she would agree to clean the church on Saturdays. So she brought her children with her, including her seven-year-old daughter, and they helped her clean. Later, when the daughter was older, she wrote this about that experience. This is so sad. My experience all started when I ran into a counselor in the bishopric. The counselor set me down on his lap in the chapel. He was so kind, so wonderful. I trusted him. I went home happy and grateful for my new friend. This was repeated every Saturday. Eventually, the counselor began molesting the seven-year-old girl. She was confused, not really understanding what was happening. She continues with this. After all, he was a member of the bishopric. I was extremely uncomfortable with his behavior, but he had always told me that I was special. I should never tell because that would break the promises we had made to each other in the church. Once I told my mom I didn't want to clean the church anymore, she told me that if I didn't, then I would be responsible for the church taking food away from our family. Now, this child was forced with two double binds. Remember, she's only seven years old. The first double bind is if she told anyone about the counselor, she would be wrong because she would be breaking the promise they had made in church, promises she was too young and too naive to make. If she didn't tell anyone, then he would be free to continue to molest her. The second double bind is if she didn't go to the church to help her, her mother clean, then her family wouldn't have enough food to eat. And if she did go, the counselor would continue to molest her. This child was faced with a double, double bind and too young to understand or make choices for herself. Another typical double bind is that something was, <laughs> is not, and yet is. We quote from page 79. Yeah, that's interesting. I do not believe in polygamy, which the church teaches will be a part of the eternal plan in heaven. And then she parentheses, in the 80s, seminary lessons included this fact. Now, as the church is ever changing, they claim that information about this hasn't been revealed yet. This is from missionaries that I spoke with shortly before I left the church. So <laughs> she, she goes on to remind us that polygamy was... Was. Before it was outlined by the United States government. It, it was. It was something they did. Yeah, it was the law. And the only way to heaven. The only way to heaven then, yeah. 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 I mean, with polygamy groups, it still is. Yeah. But with the Mormon church, polygamy now is not. It is not now being practiced. And if polygamy is practiced in the next life, that information has not yet been revealed. But it's still being <laughs> performed in the temple for the next life. So why are they doing temple polygamous marriages for the next life if it hasn't yet been revealed that it's going to be in the next life? That's good logic. Confusion at <laughs> its like best, it. and God yeah. is not the author of confusion. 
Some people, after they leave the Mormon religion, realize that they never got the truth from them. We quote. I simply know that the LDS Church as an institution has a pathological inability to deal with the unadorned truth. I also know it is neither on us nor healthy to stuff my concerns into a little box in my psyche and pretend as if I'm blessedly ignorant regarding many important things. And that's what we urge with our viewers. Yeah. Check it out. Don't stuff it. Yeah, from page 159, the greater the fraud, the greater is the denial of it, and therefore the greater becomes the bond to the binder. There is no greater fraud than to have your real world turned upside down, your hum humanity and identity stolen under the guise of righteousness. Uh, that's yeah, that's, that's a, a nudge there, under the is. guise of righteousness. Yeah. We are not to follow and and trust blind trust anybody uh no human not man's lies not no. not it, it's all it's all pointed out for us very clearly in the bible and jesus christ is the savior so we have a few points on how to free yourself from the double bind system the first one is pray ask god for his truths they are in the bible yeah, and the Bible was here first. You yes. know, the Bible, if, if everyone understood the Bible as they're approached by missionaries or the Mormon gospel, they would realize that it's in contradiction to the Bible. Absolutely yeah. is. The second thing is ask questions. Talk to people who have been there and done that and then walked away, whether you're in the polygamist or the Mormon church. Talk to people who have left and get a different viewpoint than yeah. what you might think. The third one is don't fear man's assumed religious authority because it's not real. They have assumed an authority that God hasn't given them. They say God's given it to them, but they really haven't. When you read the Bible, you find that out. That's true. And if you're any kind of a historian with Mormonism, you realize how often it's changed. We yeah. keep dumping off the dead prophets and listen to the new ones, but those new ones will be dead eventually, and we'll dump off what they've said. Yeah, and then so, so it's ever-changing, yes. like that person said. That uh, doesn't sound very godlike. No, well, it isn't, because God never changes. Yeah. And the fourth one is educate yourself on all the facts. Find out, and don't be afraid to investigate. The fifth one is use logic and reason. Think things through. Don't be afraid of finding the truth. Find someone to help you find the truth, actually. Yeah. And the sixth one is studying the truth, the true history of Mormonism with your eyes wide open is a very effective way to extricate yourself from the double bind system because true Mormon history is shocking and unbelievably violent. And the violence was by the Mormons. If you get into the early history, it's totally different than that Cloroxed version the church has told you. Yeah. And that really shocked me. That was a huge shock for me. In was fact, it? that is what got me going on my journey to the truth, was finding out that horrible violence in early Mormonism. Yeah. The, the Mount Meadows Massacre, the, the um, blood, atonement, blood atonement, the blood oaths, yeah. uh, the, and of course Joseph Smith's polygamy and 14-year-old brides and all of that. It's just it's a horrible system if you get back in it and really study it you will discover this truth. So don't be afraid. And we pray that everyone who sees this, and if you're in the double bind, we pray that God will help you get out and that you will find the courage to... The glory to... of God is intelligence. 
<laughs> that's what BYU has that's, on there. That's what they and teach. In the Doctrine and Covenants. So. But the glory of God really is not intelligence. That's no, no, the way the Bible teaches. Well, thanks for sharing oh, this yeah. with me this and helping me put this together. Yeah, you know, we've been discussing how Mormonism gives no good answers to some of life's toughest questions. And often the answers it does give can be bitter and demeaning so that we end up with a profound sense of unworthiness. You know, the enemy is ignorance. Not knowing God's truths will lead us into men's lies. Mormonism does not reflect God's deep blessing for us, his patience, his kindness, his willingness to cover every single sin with his own blood. Don't let Mormonism fool you into believing that the United Order or polygamy or anything else can do for you what Jesus has done. The Bible says that we can do nothing, but Jesus has already done everything. Don't ask a man. Ask Jesus Christ for answers, and he will give them. He promises he will. Thank you for watching. Polygamy, what love is this? This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.